Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for Middle-ish, episode 10. We have a little disclaimer we'd like to give you all for this episode, and it's not because there's excessive vulgarity or anything like that. <laughs> it might be, might be more fun than what we're about to say, but we actually tried something different and we recorded remotely because our, we had a guest and it was very appropriate for our guest's expertise and passion. So we recorded it in a park and my mic apparently was very excited about that and is a little hot. So mm -hmm. the audio yes. suffered. A little bit. So it's, it's very listenable, I think. Um, it just gets kind of, it just gets kind of weird here and there. And Aaron's voice sounds like it's kind of peeking out and we got some echoes going on, but I don't think it detracts from the message. Um, so just bear with us um, through this episode. I think there's a lot of good stuff here for y'all. Um, so just, yeah, we appreciate your patience with some audio issues in this episode. Yeah. And for us trying something new. So please have a listen. Um, if, if for some reason you just can't get through it and you really like what Lance has to say and you want us to have him back, then let us know. We'll have him back and we'll uh, have our quality audio that you're used to hearing. <laughs> yes, we will. Thank Thanks you. everyone. Hello, I am Michael Gray. And I'm Erin Green. And welcome to Middleish, a podcast about moderation and all things. How's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm great. I have a new mug. So last episode, oh. we talked about how I really only have two mugs I use. And then my wife came home with this, like that day, the hubby mug. And we'll be married 11 years in just a few days. And I feel like Aww. if it wasn't official before, super official now because I have a yeah, mug. Yeah, you have the mug. That says it all. Yeah. <laughs> no, notice it doesn't say like world's greatest hubby or whatever. It, no, just one of them. <laughs> She's just, he's just one of the husbands in the world. He's trying to keep y'all straight. <laughs> You're a hubby. Yep. <laughs> so um, I love your mug. I have um, one of my favorites here. RPI stands RPI. for Rebecca's Rebecca's Private Idaho. It is a gravel race that I uh, dove into last year and she lives in Ketchum. She is like, I mean, a world renowned adventure racer and basically dominated the mountain bike and adventure racing scene for, I don't know, probably over a decade. Um, she's pretty amazing. And awesome. it's a, yeah, someday maybe she'll join us. But anyway, so I'm representing Rebecca's nice. private Idaho. And, and I'm, you I'm can representing see... all just average husbands around the world. <laughs> Hubbies. <laughs> Hubby is a little more endearing than just husband. Yeah, husband. <laughs> so for those of you watching, you can see that I'm in a different environment. I'm outside, which is mm -hmm. quite nice, actually. Um, and part of the reason is because we have a guest today that is basically everything outdoors, um, nature, uh, green space. And I'm so excited to welcome my friend Lance Davison, who lives here in Boise. Um, Lance, are you there? I am. I can see you right across the uh, way here in the park. So this is awesome. Thanks for <laughs> having me. You guys me. are in the same park? Yeah. We're we're in like, same <laughs> park. <laughs> I'll send That's you awesome. a picture later. Yeah. She's on a park bench just far. We're social distance, which nice. is good. Nice. Um, so yeah. Thank you for having me. I, can I introduce my cup while we're at it? Yes, please. Yeah, do. let's see it. 
So um, I have a Yeti mug, which goes down the river with me pretty much anywhere we go. Uh, this is the Zambezi River, which we went down last summer in on the border between Zambia and Zimbabwe with my daughter. Wow. Um, and then we always spend time in Kona. I've done a few triathlons there. Um, my in-laws winter there, so we always spend some time there. So that's my cup. Um, and I nice. am a hubby as well for almost 20 years. So yeah, thanks for having me. This will be fun. You need to get one of these and make it official. I know. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can find you one and send you one. <laughs> I'm sure we can make that happen. Yeah, because that's what you I want mean, is a, a mug that says hubby from me. Y- yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't yes. want anything. Clearly, Michael. Clearly. <laughs> you, you don't want anything cool like, you know, a river that you rafted in, in no. Zambia or, yeah. you know, family connection in Kona. Hubby. This is, this is peak <laughs> mug right here. That's good as it What gets. should I get? Should I get like wifey? Is that my mug? Yeah. Kathleen has one that it, it looks real similar and it has a bear on it. It says mama bear. Oh, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like that one. I'm not a mama. I guess that doesn't work. You just bear. I have some, bear. I have some mom. I could be a bear. I have some I mama bear, bear instincts. Right. Yeah. We talked about that. Didn't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lance, I guess we should, um, <clears throat> tell our audience a little bit about why we wanted you here and, I'll give my impression and then we'll, um, you know, maybe have you talk a little more intelligently about what your job is. But I got to know you through triathlon and I think some of my richest friendships and probably some of my longest lasting friendships are through uh, my connections in triathlon. And gosh, I think we met uh, seven, eight years ago. Does that sound right? Yeah, we've been in Boise 10 years, so maybe eight, nine okay. years ago. Yeah. Wow. And um, we swim together, or at least we did when the pool was, you know, could. Right. <laughs> open right. and yeah. So um, we, I think you get to know people in a really organic way when you, you know, are meeting at 515, 530 in the morning to jump in a cold pool and <laughs> do some long rides together and whatnot. Um, and then, one of the, I think one of the coolest parts about you and what you do professionally um, is the melding of community engagement and health with our natural environment and green space. So you have a background in forestry, yeah? Yep, forestry and natural resources. And then you've taken that in I think when I think of what you do, I maybe I have like kind of a funny picture, but I picture you taking your love of the natural environment of trees, especially, and turning it into like a health and community driven like journey to connect the two. And I mean, on Middle-ish, we talk a lot about health, wellness, uh, nutrition, um, exercise, you know, all of these components of physical health, but we also talk about emotional and social health and, and those, you know, intellectual health, those kinds of things. And what you do is, I think, a really great marriage of all of those things through our natural environment. Um, and we talk about connecting with nature and how that can feed our spirit and how that can improve physical movement, how that can improve mental health. Um, 
And just my last point is you and I have had some really great conversations recently about entrepreneurship and leadership in the community and how we connect our personal and professional lives with the people around us. And, and the people are really what enriches this whole thing. Um, so I think that speaks to social and, um, oh, airplane, in case yep. you can hear <laughs> Um, I think that speaks to social and hold on. The goose flyover was better. Yeah. yeah, the goose was better earlier. <laughs> we'll work on that. Get some more geese in there. Maybe it's maybe it's telling me my intro to Lance is a little long winded. Right. But <laughs> yeah, wrap it up. That's the music, Next. you know, when you're on stage. Um, so basically, to just wrap all that up, my point is, I think that you really embody many of the facets of total wellness and health. And I want to talk about it with you. Um, and also, you just have an undying kind of positivity and great energy that you bring to anything you do, even jumping in a cold pool at 530 in the morning. <laughs> wow, I hide that well, don't I? Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Aaron. Um, I mean, wow, you stole my thunder. That's it right there. Um, all, all the right, great sure. threads, I guess, too. That's why I love Middleish, right? Because every episode that I've listened to feeds into the thread of what I do and why I do it. And um, I think for me, it's all about the team that we build. It's not about me. Um, my company is called The Keystone Concept. It is a single owner LLC, but everything we do brings together team members. So we're trying to figure out ways to communicate that because... I mean, I joke with people. I don't really know a lot. I just know a lot of people. Um, and I know how to empower them to do great things. And that's the way I look at what I do. Um, I've thought a lot over my personal and professional journey about what my motivation is. A lot of people think it's trees because I'm my most recent government job was in trees, but actually my degree is in range management. So like livestock management, grazing, wildlife. Um, and I'm just a kind of whole context network type person. I network with people. I understand the network of the natural environment. So it's been really fun. I, I worked for 11 years in government. Uh, I learned how things worked. I did everything from wildland firefighting to range, range management, management, forestry, forestry ended, ended in urban, urban forestry, forestry, which is... Oh, what's that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're having sound I issues. I, I don't think it's gas or anything. You okay, Michael? <laughs> yeah. I just assumed it was on Aaron's end again. Yeah, I think the truck through the park. Sorry, guys. I didn't even hear anything. So I think y'all are playing with me. Continue. So, anyways, what I love about so look behind me. What I love about Aaron's idea of going into a park is it really does resonate with everything that we do and, and why we do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it comes down to the why for me. I don't know if you've ever heard Simon Sinek's um, why YouTube video. Um, I read a lot of his stuff and I think the motivation of why is so much more important than how or what we do. And so the why for me is relationships. That's why Aaron and I have been good friends since we met 10 years ago. Uh, that's why somebody that works in health and nutrition and somebody that works in natural resource management are gonna find a way to have some kind of business venture and partnership together. And that's why 
we could have this connection in this podcast. So I'm excited about the opportunity. If you look behind me, that's the Boise River Greenbelt. You'll see people riding their bikes. You'll see people running. You'll see people squirrels running around. Um, <laughs> it's uh, this place that we live is so great to have a natural environment within the context of our built city um, mm -hmm. so that people can live uh, healthy and active lifestyles. So I just love all that and I'm excited to tease it out with all of you. Awesome. Yeah, and we are in Kristen Armstrong Municipal Park. It used to just be Municipal Park, but of course, Kristen Armstrong, three-time gold medalist, um, just an amazing, uh, the, the winningest female cyclist in history, uh, but also she is super engaged and passionate about health in our community and has started up um, her own um I don't even want to call them fitness centers because they're more than that, but Pivot is her, um, basically her mission to engage the community in health and, and wellness um, and leave an impact there too. So that's kind of a nice little, you know, we have a natural space that, you know, also kind of connects that community component. That's awesome. And maybe to build off that a little bit, Aaron, um, what's great about being in Kristen Armstrong Park is I facilitated an interview with Kristen Armstrong and Tommy Alquist. Tommy uh, campaigned to be governor of our state, a uh, very successful entrepreneur, emergency medicine physician. My wife is an emergency medicine physician. And um, Aaron came to that talk and it was fascinating because what they're doing is what we love to do every day, right, Aaron? be entrepreneurial, find a way that we can do great work, but live healthy lifestyles. And so Tommy Alquist and Kristen partnered to create Pivot, which is a health and fitness facility that tries to talk about this whole body fitness, right? And yeah. they even got uh, uh, Select Health, a healthcare provider, to pay people's membership at the gym. So wow. I love people. When we talk about leadership, Kristen does it really well. Um, and that's kind of the lens that I look through things is how can I, with my connections and relationships, be a leader to help us be healthier, to help Aaron be healthier, to help Michael, myself, um, and then our community as a whole. Awesome. That's great. So I'm curious just to dive into this a little bit deeper. Where do you, like, what does a project look like to you? And where do you begin? Like if you can just kind of in general, tell us what that would look like. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think what I'll do is I'll start with the Treasure Valley Canopy Network is a, sorry. More, more gas? I don't know. I think it was the honking of the horn. Anyway, so Michael, you can cut that out. Uh, so an, a good example of a project that is now building into a regional nonprofit is we started the Treasure Valley Canopy Network about eight years ago when I moved here to Boise. Okay. And in that project, I was hired to do an urban tree canopy assessment, which is looking at all the trees in the valley, what benefit they provide for human health, for environmental health, um, and so it's hard to be the project manager, mm -hmm. but the way that I build a project is really focused around relationships and collaboration. And so, so when that report was done, done, we have a report, report I can show you on our, our website, website, but I always see more than that. And I think when we have 
a relationship, you can build on that. So fast forward seven years from that project, and now we have a freestanding nonprofit that was funded by the federal government and state government. Um, wow. Now yeah, that's awesome. Doing, we have an urban heat map, for example, that is helping us focus tree planting in areas that are really hot so that we can reduce that heat. We can work on environmental justice opportunities, equity in our community. We're working on stormwater efforts. We have a project with the city of Boise called the City of Trees Challenge, which is planting 100,000 trees over the next 10 years to help improve human health, water quality, air quality. Um, so that encapsulates every project that I'm involved in, how I'd love it to evolve, right? And the only reason it evolved to be more than a report with data was because of the people involved. Okay. In your vision, right? Right, right. Sorry, Michael. 100,000 trees in Boise? Yes, 100,000 wow. trees in Boise. We're working with uh, Council President Elaine Clegg, and it was her vision. Uh, we know that we can plant that many trees. It's a lot of trees, but what's fun is we're coming in as the network and going to inspire other cities around the world to do that. Um, and it's focused around not just tree planting, because that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shouldn't <laughs> count how many trees we plant. We should count the impact they're making. Um, so so that's that's what we're building it around. We're going to, we did a soft launch in March. It's going to fully launch in October. So, uh, that's a little teaser for you guys to check out and your listeners that are interested. And then your city can join Michael. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I mean, one thing I love about Boise is just there are trees everywhere. I mean, that's what it means, right? The city of trees, right? So the fact that you're shooting for a hundred thousand more, is just, that's fantastic. So, so that's one project. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good an example. Wow. And something you said, Lance, it's interesting because I was just listening to a podcast this morning um, that spoke to the environmental impact um, on health and especially in urban communities and maybe in cities. And the things you sort of mentioned that I, I don't want to completely gloss over, I think that that actually um, can be a topic we go a little deeper is how the heat map and how shade and canopy can actually impact human health. Mm -hmm. It has a big impact. A huge impact. And and I think people just don't get it, right? Like I wish that at some point um, during the hottest day of the year, we could just like erase the trees for 10 minutes and (laughs) people would recognize the benefit. Just go walk down Shinden. Exactly. <laughs> and I have done that in the heat of summer and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> and, and yet it takes a village to build a city so that you can have those trees in that way. Um, you know, trees lift sidewalks if they're planted in too tight of a space. Mm-hmm. Um, if we build really dense developments, you're going to have to find other places to put those trees because you can't just jam them in a little spot. And the trees don't, if you look what behind me, I think that's an elm. Um, that tree provides immense benefits. But if the tree only gets as tall as me, it's really just an investment in something that's pretty. It's not going to return all those benefits we talk about. So um, I think, again, why I love that Aaron kind of gets what I do and why I do it, um, I see all those interconnections, and it takes people 
planning in the right way to do that. And so if I can help empower them to do that, that's what's rewarding to me. My parents are teachers and coaches. Uh, my grandfather was a family medicine physician. I have his name, Everett is my middle name. Um, he spent all his time in the mission field, really serving others. So I think when I think about how I do what I do, it's through servant leadership. Um, and so I think I'm a teacher and coach at heart. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and I, I love that you also embody that in your personal life. So we got to know each other through triathlon. Um, and I, I don't think I quite realized, um, how connected you are to just like all levels of health until we spent a little more time together. And it was, I mean, for me, you know, something like triathlon, you know, with the training and kind of structured, you know, whatever is you can get kind of bogged down in like reaching this fitness goal or like going toward a race. But for you, it was a little bit different, right? Because you, I thought that you swam in college. So I thought you were like, I, I kind of had this picture, like, you're just like a lifelong athlete. Um, but then I'm realizing that like, this was a way for you to really not only enjoy a fitness endeavor, but like to be out in nature and kind of connect the two. That's a really good thread. And so we're going to go deep, Michael. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. <laughs> um, what I recognized in triathlon when I, I grew up a competitive swimmer, um, I ran cross country for one year in high school, was good at it, but um, at the end of the season, I was ready to go back to swimming. So after that, I had just swam. Um, and I was always the skinny kid that wasn't quite mature enough to be as strong as the other kids. So I really perfected my technique. And, um, I, so I was a bit of a perfectionist, which that <laughs> brought some therapy later in life. Um, but when I chose where to go to college, I really wanted to go to school in Montana and they didn't have a swim team. I still got recruited to go to colleges to swim. Um, but I chose to go to Montana cause I was excited about that, excited about my career. But I can tell you, uh, that last swim meet, I remember like it was yesterday. It was like letting go of a part of who I am. I mean, it still kind of gives me chills. It was hard. Mm. Um, also because I was a late bloomer, like I was finally getting fast and I was finally doing well after years of that journey of never making the times I wanted because no matter how good my stroke was, I was a skinny little kid. Um, so part of the reason I think when we moved to Boise, I had supporting getting my wife through college and through, um, through her med school and residency. I worked for the states of Washington and New Mexico. Um, and we had a, our daughter McKenna, who's now 15. Um, and I just didn't exercise a lot. And when I came here, I'd always wanted to do triathlon cause I mountain biked as a kid. I was a swimmer and a natural runner. That's actually running is probably my most natural of the three. And so I said, you know, I'm going to come here and I'm going to make this for real. Um, and so I shopped around for a bike. That's how I met Tritown, Antonio Gonzalez, um, and Aaron. Um, I bought a bike and I just went all in. And, uh, when I met you all, you were very inspiring. You helped me learn how to train. Um, and that was my college sport for about three years. And I dove into it. It was my job. I I was starting my company, but it was natural for me in sport to really dive in and go after it. Um, so 
I did great. I had a great time. And then as my business kind of took off, I didn't have as much time. And now um, my journey in sport is in a different way. Uh, so what I learned through that, Aaron, was that I was successful at triathlon, but it was on this kind of not middle-ish model, not a sustainable <laughs> model. Isn't it how triathlon works? <laughs> I, I mean, really? <laughs> Um, so without getting too deep into it, I, we had a son who's now three. So my son Cody's three and my daughter McKenna's 15. And this is the journey of life and why I've learned to embrace the journey. Um, but I went through some pretty significant depression. Um, and I was struggling with, I, I was saying, I'm not going to train for triathlon if I can't get on the podium. Like, why would I do that? Because it's so important to me, right? Like, I've got to be really good. Otherwise, why do it? Um, and through that journey of therapy and all that and really learning more about myself, I learned to take that athletic drive and let go a little bit of the perfectionist tendencies and embrace the friendships. Um, and now, every morning I get up Tuesday, Thursday at 4.36 a.m., <laughs> exactly. Not four thirty-seven. Not four thirty-six. He let go of these perfectionistic tendencies, <laughs> right, right. you guys. But Clearly. it's four thirty-six. Clearly, uh, he's but just letting loose. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Um, my good friend Jason, he started this group called, called TMF. It's a guys group, and we work out every morning, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We run in the foothills about six miles, and then we do like we might even use kind of those exercise things behind you, Michael. Yeah. I'll put them, I'll put them in the box and ship yeah. them up with your mug. Perfect. <laughs> so, so it's called TMF. There's like maybe a dozen of us and um, from all walks of life. Um, and we do that. We do our run and then we do kind of, I guess maybe liken it to CrossFit. Jason just makes up different workouts for us. And then we wait, go wait. have breakfast. What does TMF stand for? Well, go ahead and say it. I ha I have MF in my in, in my nickname, so you can say it. Yeah, I'm just curious say, okay. about the T, really. That's right. all I'm curious. So, <laughs> so I think we um, know the rest. <laughs> for the for the family show, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that exercise is Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it's mm. Tuesday and Thursday morning fitness, and it's also tough motherfuckers maybe Hi. <laughs> there it is yeah. but we're just a bunch of softy guys like uh and then monday wednesday friday we'll go mountain biking so this morning at 5 a.m i was mountain biking start in the dark and then um see the sunrise but for me now my my fitness journey is more about the social part you know i yeah. uh i don't look at prs i don't look at all that um i'll still do a triathlon every once in a while when they let us do that and i realize that I'm still not bad and it, yeah. it hurts. Trust me, it hurts. I'd rather train hard and have fun, but um, that's the journey. I guess I've learned a lot from you, Aaron, and, uh, and that's diving way deep into my pond. I think it's great. I mean, I think it just, it ties so perfectly into so much of what we talk about all the time. And that's just that like to have these sort of like achievement type goals, you know, um, you know, 20 pounds lost, a PR on a deadlift or a race or whatever. Those are great. They're really great. But those in and of themselves don't really typically add value to our lives. They don't make you know, us more well-rounded people. They don't make us, you know, 
more empathetic or teach us a whole lot. It's the process of getting there. And that process, I think we can learn just as much, even if we don't have those real specific goals. You know, if the process is just being disciplined and getting up every morning and, you know, and, and pushing my body and having good social relationships with friends, good social interactions. And like, now we're looking at things that just enrich us in so many ways. And it's, you I mean, you said it perfectly. It's that process. That process is what's teaching us. The process is what's making us better. The process makes us more resilient, empathetic, better, you know, people to go out in this world and, and do significant things that make it better for other people too, which is exactly what you're doing. And you recognize too, Lance, that the drive for a podium, you know, that outcome focus that a lot of people tend to have, especially when it comes to setting a goal or um, athletic achievement or whatever. I think it's good to have those things to reach toward, but it sounds like that was kind of your only thing for a while. And like you said, that was kind of getting your, you know, postdoc in college sports was to like go and do triathlon. And now what I'm hearing is just this very rich enjoyment of being physically active and still just a different fitness journey, you know, and it doesn't mean you can never hit a podium again if that's what you choose to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, But finding that kind of middle ground. And I think it's kind of the same thing. Like Michael, you were saying, you know, if somebody says, I want to lose 20 pounds, well, what do you expect to get out of that 20 pounds Mm -hmm. lost? Um, Similarly, I want to get on the podium. Okay. What do you expect to happen once you get on that podium? Again, it's cool to have those goals, but if that's the only thing driving you, then, you know, it, it could be a lonely place. Yeah. Right. And I'd like to say that I have some grand wisdom that helped me get to that realization, but it was, it was going to the depths. And honestly, like when I was, uh, I don't know how many people listen have dealt with depression, but it's a real thing. And um, I I always told myself uh, not to get too philosophical, but I have a belief in God and a foundation of Christian faith. But if I didn't have that when I was in those depths, I don't know if I could have gotten through it. But I always knew that my, I, I call it kind of my superpower and my Achilles heels connecting with people. Um, and so I thought there's a reason for this, right? There's a reason I'm in a really shitty spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it did was it allows me to better empathize with people. And it, I had to hit that spot to realize coming out that instead of dreading waking up in the morning, now I'm excited because first of all, I get to talk with my friends and see cool wildlife. If you look on my Strava, we name our rides and runs by the wildlife we see. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and also, they hold you accountable. That's the thing. I think we need a village to help us in a holistic, middle-ish lifestyle that's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the, the village concept, um, and Aaron, I'm going to steal one of your questions here. But so how do does, it? They're they're great questions. <laughs> I wrote them myself. Yes, they're fantastic. They really. <laughs> that's why I'm still in it. So Lance, <laughs> when we're looking at like how, I guess in a community, you know, in a neighborhood or town, city, whatever, how does physical environment, as far as like you know, uh, what what sort of like more natural settings versus you know. Um, more 
urban, you know, are there walking paths, parks, that kind of stuff? How much does that stuff play into the overall um, amount of activity that people in that community take part in? That's a good question. And we have Thank a lot of really fine. good. Uh, Aaron, I wish you would have thought of that. I know, damn it, I'll try harder next time. So jealous right now. Um, We have some really smart math and data wizards that help us evaluate that. One thing that we do is what's called ecosystem service valuation. Um, There's a super whiz economist that we work with that looks at what is the economic benefit of the services provided by trees, green space for recreation. So for example, like what is the cost that people will pay to come to Boise? They're gonna invest in the community, they're going to recreate, um, come here for a mountain bike trip. That's an economic value that you can capture. So I love building projects like that. We just finished a project in Snoqualmie, Washington. Um, around that and we hope to grow that more and more because when people see the economic benefits then they'll invest in it Um, so this is a long way of saying Michael I couldn't tell you exactly what that is but what I can tell you is that we can capture that and communicate it to city decision makers so they invest in it Um, we can show the private industry why it's important to build that into your city The other thing that I'll say is living close to those spaces is important, right? We're all very busy. And so I would like to say that if I had to drive an hour to get to a mountain bike venue that I do it every morning, but there's no way I ride two blocks from my house and it's there. Um, And so there's an importance of the open spaces, but also what we call the green infrastructure that weaves through your city. So look behind me, people, came on a bike lane down the street where they lived and now they're on a safe green belt along the river. And so cities need to think about growing and building in that way, in a resilient way that makes all this easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so how about how this affects, like, do you know anything about how this affects the health of the community in terms of, I mean, you talked about like the, economic impact in terms of like maybe tourism and you know bringing people in to use those green spaces or to make it you know uh readily accessible by um you know the people that live here what about how that translates to health outcomes because i know that like there's i've been in some conferences where they talk about walkability and you know the access to having like a park or green space um so people can kind of engage in healthier behaviors on a daily basis and you will see some health outcomes. Do you, are you familiar with that aspect? Again, a lot smarter people than me um, can capture (laughs) that value and information. And so that's why, uh, actually I was just looking at um, a health impact assessment that um, some colleagues did in Boise looking at housing, for example. Um, So that's why I talked about the city of trees challenge. We're going to take Uh, this heat map and we're going to look at places and we're going to take data that focuses on where is it really hot and then we're also going to look at the demographics of that area often like one of the most expensive places to live in Boise is along Harrison Boulevard in the north end and there's a lot of reasons why but a big part of it is the tree canopy it's cooler it's more desirable to live there 
um, and then in a lot of the other hotter parts. And you'll see this. Michael, which city are you in? Uh, it's called League City. It's um, a little bit south of Houston. A little bit south of Houston. So yeah. like when it gets really hot and miserable, people aren't happy. Crime gets higher. People aren't healthy. Yeah. Um, there's links to, I mean, even COVID-19 and health in crummy parts of town that don't mm-hmm. have canopy. So when we talk about equity, when we talk about environmental and human health, there's so much value um, to investing in those places where health is poor, um, where, I mean, diabetes and obesity are a big deal, Aaron. I know that um, the Department of Health and Human Services and us have looked at that. Um, there is so much opportunity there to make those connections, and it includes what you eat. Um, and includes all that. Um, but I guess I like the challenge of trying to figure out how you can actually make a difference, um, how you can implement a project that makes a difference. And it isn't giving a bunch of trees to the people that live in the heart of town that don't make as much money as the people in the treat area. That doesn't work. You've got to build a relationship. You've got to find out what kind of trees they want in their part of town. Um, it's very complex, um, but that's the fun challenge I guess I enjoy figuring out. Yeah, I can imagine it's really tricky, you know, and I know, you know, it's, I mean, you, you bring up such a great point where, you know, where it's South Texas, right? Like it's humid here. It's real humid and real hot in the summer. You know, it's like 95 and like 90% humidity some days. And when it really reaches that high humidity, like, yeah, we don't want to go outside. You know, our only saving grace as a family is that, you know, right now parks are closed and stuff, so we're not going there. But our backyard happens to be decent size and have from about 3.30 on, it's just very, very shaded. And so we're like, okay, you know, once the afternoon hits, it's still hot and stuff, but we can be out in the shade. It's a little bit cooler, makes it more bearable. Whereas if we didn't have that, my girls wouldn't spend much time outside because it's just miserable, right. you know, and that would impact, that would impact us as a family because totally. they're not getting physical activity. And so they're more keyed up. And then our patients is wearing thin and then we're knocking heads yep. because, Oh my God, you know, and we've, we've noticed that when, you know, we have like three days of just massive rain. We're like, <laughs> we're all going to kill each other you know, because we're <laughs> right. not, we're not doing all the things that being outside and kind of communing with nature in some ways provides it provides some distance physically you know it provides some distance mentally and emotionally (laughs) it provides physical activity it's sunshine it's fresh it's all these things that just really lend to i've noticed just a happier family you know if we can't get outside for several days we're just not as happy we're not functioning as well you know and so i've never really thought of it in those specific terms so you said that but as you were saying that i was like oh man dead on you know because i've seen that time and time again and I'm, and I'm glad, glad you mentioned, mentioned that because that's, that's the, the balance, balance too. We, we do, do a lot of like the scientific work and try to find ways to take data and inform decision makers. But to be honest, I, I, based off of what you just said, it's the personal story that's going to make a difference. Yeah. So I want to find a way to tell that personal story or now like Michael is going to look through the world in a different way just yeah. because of thinking of that context, you know? Absolutely. So, that's the other reason I love working with people that don't do what I do every day is because you give me better ideas on how to communicate. So, <laughs> Yeah. And something else that you talked about, Lance, that I think is another cool aspect of your work is 
finding this connection with being a leader in your community, I think that that speaks directly to a personal um, achievement and and personal like intellectual wellness or you know if if somebody has like occupational wellness, however you want to coin the term, you know people feel like they need a purpose, right? Whether it's in their life or um, personal life or work life. In your case, you're taking this, um, I would say this niche vision that a lot of people probably don't think about, like the who plans the trees and who, how does this natural space impact my personal health? You're taking it and turning it into this very rich leadership opportunity mm-hmm. and a way to connect and give back to your community, which I think is a really important aspect as well. It's fun, you know, it's... Uh... Again, it's nice to hear somebody else talk about what I do because I'm not good at talking about it. So (laughs) when somebody gets it like you do, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, it's kind of part of my journey and, again, my why. So when I talk about leadership to me, I've read a lot of leadership books. I kind of look through the lens of the world in a leadership role, I think, because being, again, like a a coach, a – a parent, a teacher at heart is that I want to build an amazing team, whether it's on a project, whether it's like Aaron's part of my team. Like we talk about ideas as Aaron has looked at um, career transitions. We've talked about that. I've helped her go through that journey. And what I learned is I love to put together a really good team. I love to figure out what motivates people. And then um, I've seen a few times that like, if you, if you, say something about my team like I'm the one that's going to stand up and defend them you know it's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing um so I think that's you need why. the mama bear mug you need know, the mama bear mug oh I've seen myself do that so it's to me it's very personal um and a, a really good friend of mine um I just finished serving on a regional nonprofit board as the president um last October or maybe two Octobers ago um and this gentleman is now the president of that board. We went through a difficult transition, new executive director after 17 years. Um, and he's probably the one that has drilled into my soul the most as a friend and a co-leader. Um, but he told me once what I do. And it was really fascinating. He said, Lance, you come into a room and you're quiet and you listen. And then before anybody really knows what's going on, you have come up with a plan and you're going to get us going on that plan and you're going to help us get there together. But he said, I've never really seen that before. And I was like, Hmm, I guess. Yeah, maybe I do. But, um, I guess maybe the challenge to me has been to be patient as I do it more and work with people more that I also don't, I don't don't drive drive forward because of me. Like if you guys are on my team, Um, And we're going after something. I'm doing it because of what the two of you said. Um, And so it's not really about me. Um, But if I go too fast and assume where you guys want to go, then you're not on board, right? Yeah. Right. I love it. To me, that sums up like real leadership, you know, and it's understanding like how to pick key people to be a part of your team, right? Like that that you're you trust. And, Mm -hmm. but then also not recognizing that 
you don't have all the answers. You're one person and that a a plan, you're going to have so much better information if you pool all these resources. And I think that's often what a a, a really good leader does is it's not about their own ideas. It's the ability to sit back, let everyone else do stuff. And then from that, create a cohesive, beneficial plan. You know, I think that's, um, I think that's, that's real leadership. You know, is it's not everybody following the captain. It's the captain going on. All right, guys. Yeah. What do you got? You know, that's so I I commend you for that. Thanks. And I I mean, I'm a, I'm a student of the game. A few books that I can think about uh, that have really informed me is extreme ownership. Have you guys read that? No. That's a really good good one. one. Um, Another another good kind of personal journey book is uh the big leap look up those two oh okay i've heard of that who's the author on that one i can't remember there's a goldfish jumping out of the bowl okay we'll we'll try and link it we'll link it in the show notes yes uh we'll look cool well in the interest of time lance i feel like we could sit here and talk all day because i well that's why you and I will meet in parks and talk anyway, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, let's move on to our meeting in the mundane. Do you want to participate in that with us? I do. I thought a lot about it this morning during my ride. So I'm going to go last. Yes. I'm going to cheat a little, which I heard oh. Michael usually makes you go first anyway. I'll go first. Whatever. You know, I have. <laughs> I have in the past. But the last couple of times I've been prepared. <laughs> and and At I'm least prepared you don't- today. <laughs> At least you don't show up late. That's my MO, right? It's True. like scrambling. Yeah, I know. Way more rude. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, well, I was a total slacker the last couple. It, was it just this week? I guess it feels like it's been a long week already. It's Wednesday. Yeah, and it there have been things. Uh, there have been things that I've told Michael I'm going to do for the podcast. And then he'll text me and be like, yeah, I just did it. And I'm like, damn it. I forgot again. So my, my goal is to not be a slacker. So my meaning in the mundane this week um, really hit me that I've been lamenting the fact that we haven't done any traveling. We keep talking about going camping because I think that's a responsible thing that you can do during COVID. Um, but we just have been staying around Boise. Like every weekend we basically ride from our front door Um you know, I had the trails challenge. We have just kept life very simple and not that that's a bad thing, but I am used to a pretty like fast paced, you know, travel involved and, and whatever. And so it's been really hard for me to kind of reconcile with that and kind of feel like life has become very mundane. And we went out on Monday night and we looked at Neowise, the comet. Matt had been telling me for days that he could see it from our, you know, the street in front of our house and I need to go look at it. And then we finally realized that it was going to, the scientists are saying it could just disappear one of these days because it's moving at a rate they didn't expect. So we went out, we drove so that we didn't have light pollution and we drove out and looked at the comet. And I just realized how cool things can happen even when you stay home. Like even when it seems like, you don't really have a lot of adventure going on. You're not seeing new places. Um, you know, it's a little bit of Groundhog Day every weekend, you know. Um, there's this super cool once-in-a-lifetime 
you know, experience that you get just from like, you know, driving into the foothills near your home. So that was kind of my, my meaning in the mundane this week. Nice. I like that. Love it. I miss, I miss the lack of light pollution that you yeah. get out there. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not terrible here, but it's different. You know, yeah. I mean, especially I was out in Ontario up there. So it was just, I mean, oh yeah, stars that's great. all the time, you know, just, just beautiful. And I do miss that. Um, okay. Before I go, Lance, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. We did this with our, our first guest and I'm going to have a couple for you as well. So would you rather, you didn't be familiar with that game? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> nothing, nothing too challenging. Oof. Would you rather have an unlimited international first class ticket or have unlimited international first class tickets or never have to pay for food at a restaurant again? Oh, first class ticket, man. So many Ah. experiences there. Mm -hmm. I love buying dinner and drinks for folks, so I'll do that Mm -hmm. every day. But yeah, the the journey, I think that's what we realized with our family is let's, uh, let's invest in experiences, not things. Yeah. Yeah, we have too many things, but yeah, yeah. I'll take the first class tickets. Yeah, me too. And I think, I mean, one travel is a big part of that, but also I think I have such a love for food that I'm so happy to pay anybody that <laughs> like, yeah, you- that does it well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, it's like, it's respecting their art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm happy to pay for, yeah. you know, for someone cooking up some good food. Absolutely. Good call. Yeah. Okay, would you, well, that one's kind of the same thing. How about this? Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Just lost it. Aaron has a squirrel stalking her here, I see. I'll watch Aaron, you'll be fine. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't like just land in the middle of my computer. <laughs> All right, would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or be forced to sing along to any song that you heard? Would I rather? Mm-hmm. Oh, I would rather be forced to dance probably only because I'm a bad dancer, but, um, my son, I think has, it's crazy. I've had a 15 year old and a three year old. Um, mm-hmm. and man, when we had our three year old at first, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, but he loves to dance, man. And like, it's awesome. So I would say dance. I'm, my voice is horrible. So it's going to be embarrassing to have to listen to it for an hour, I guess. On yeah. Here. But, uh, I'm with you. I would do the dancing too. Yeah. You're with, is my voice that bad, Aaron? No, I'm with you on oh, the dancing. Okay. Aaron, Aaron, I've never heard you guest. sing. He is our guest. Okay. Oh, Treat him with respect. This is, Jeez. this is real life. Didn't we agree to that? So this dance. Yes. Let's dance. Let's dance. All right. All right. And then last one, and this is kind of getting serious here. So, would you rather be a reverse centaur or a reverse merman? So a reverse centaur would be like a horse, right? A horse head, yeah. Human body or a fish head, human body. What? Where do you come up with of, these? <laughs> I never, how, I never thought of how terrible it'd be to be a reverse of either of those things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except with reverse centaur, you do have two horse legs, so you have like six oh. legs. Oh. It's from the waist up then. Yeah, but you're with the human legs on the bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, God, but being a fish without your fins would suck, right? Yeah, so I don't know. I was going to say fish because I'm kind of a fish by nature, but that'd be horrible. You'd be a sinking fish. 
Right. And then, I mean, would you have to keep your, you'd have to stay in water, I guess, because if you have a fish head, you can't breathe. I think you'd die. So I'm going to be a reverse centaur if I have to choose. Yeah, I think it's going to look cooler. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I don't think it's going to look cool, but cooler. Yeah. What is that the right answer? What? I don't think What's there's a the, right answer. <laughs> is this, I feel I like this is you being this the psychiatrist's one, office with the thing on the wall, like, oh shit, wrong answer. No, I don't think I'm going in a bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of those like downward spirals that the more you try and justify the answer right. you gave, the more you realize yeah. it was the wrong answer, and you're like, shit, I'm uh, there's no winning this one. No, I think if there's a right answer, because I'm just picturing like going to like a dinner party with people you don't know, <laughs> and if you have a fish head. Versus like horse head and hooves. I think people with a fish head are going to be more like, what is that? Get it out of here. Or the right, horse head, they're so going to be like, hey, all right. I'm curious about this. I want to talk to this horse. Well, in, in the reverse merman is like, the more I think about that, you're not going to survive in water, but you need to be in water for your lungs. Yeah. But you're going to sink because... Mm-hmm. We know, right, Aaron? Like dolphin kick, you need like strong legs. <laughs> we know and that I sink, that I sink when I'm doing dolphin Aaron's kick. Actually, we know that. <laughs> it's been amazing to watch her progress in swimming. She now kicks my, she used to. Um, anyway, used to. But then uh, on land, you couldn't live as a fish either, right? Because mm-hmm. you have. Yeah. No, I think your no. existence is probably I got like it right. by a pond, yeah. kneeling over with your butt up in the air and your, your head in the water. And that's just Failed. Yeah. where you live. Yeah, I think oh you got gosh. it. I'll be the horse thing. I think you won that one. I didn't think there was a winner, but I think you're right. There is. <laughs> yeah. That was the deepest conversation we've had this entire hour, you guys. Wow. Hey, we ask the hard <laughs> questions here. Okay. You don't shy away okay. from hardball. I want to hear your meaning in the mundane, guys. Oh, he was just avoiding that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what's up. the conversation going so I can think. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, so mine was actually just a couple nights ago. So I don't remember if I said this on an episode or maybe just to you, Aaron, but uh, last week I made butter chicken, the um, Thai dish for the first time ever last week, and it was phenomenal. It turned out really well. I kind of merged two recipes and was feeling kind of risky, and it worked out great, right? And I I love to cook. I pride myself as being a, a... pretty decent cook. Um, you know, I, I, I just really enjoy all of that. So I decide, all right, I'm going to make uh, yellow curry chicken this week, right? Similar, but different. And so I, I think I'm feeling a little bit cocky because my butter chicken turned out so well last week and I kind of <laughs> winged it. Right. So I'm like, ah, I got this. Anyway, so I'm last minute going to trying to find some yellow curry paste for my recipe. I can't find it. So I'm scrambling and I'm looking up recipes for like curry spices and how to make your own while I'm at Walmart, right? And so I just grab some stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be fine. So it takes me like an hour and a half to make this meal. And it's garbage. Like it is <laughs> garbage. And my family's being so sweet. They're like, no, it's not bad. It's okay. We can eat it. I'm like, it's disgusting. Like stop eating it. It's gross. <laughs> like I made enough for two nights. I threw it all in the trash. Like it was oh, no. terrible. And I took it very personally because, you know, I feel like this is something I typically do well. So it was, it was a good reminder to me that, um, okay, so I'll be honest. I was real upset about it. Like I was mad about how it turned out. I took it very personally. 
And uh, it was just a good reminder to me to, even though this is something I love and I do take seriously and I always want to cook well, you know, that it's, I can chill out a little bit and not take it so seriously. Right. Cause I mean, I'm literally like my evenings ruined because I'm like mad about this. Right. <laughs> and so it's just this good reminder of like, you know, like, yeah, it sucks. It's wasted money. It's wasted food. It's wasted time. Oh, well lesson learned. Right. So what's the lesson for me? Like we always talk about, you know what, like if I'm going to do something I haven't done before, maybe I should be well prepared, right? Like maybe I should take some time to make sure I do this well. Maybe I should read through the recipe a few times so I really understand what I'm doing and that kind of stuff. And so it's just a good reminder to, to one, chill out and two, uh, just to, to take the lesson from the loss that, that, you know, the loss has to teach me. So that was mine. Yeah. Yeah. And don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe adjust your expectations if you're delving into something totally new. My expectations when I cook are always super high and I just need to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny because um, I'm just getting to know you, Michael, and uh, you don't seem to me to be somebody that like boasts about themselves, yeah, which is often. ironic because <laughs> in this case, you were trying a recipe for the first time and you thought that you were just going to rock yeah i've got the i've got the shit nailed yeah that's pretty arrogant right it's pretty (laughs) stupid is what it is yeah it was arrogant and that's what i think i think because i've never made thai food in my life ever right none of it right so it's just a whole foreign cuisine but i just i think that butter chicken went so well and so easily that i was like all right expectations it's it's similar i can do this yeah and it's yeah yeah, i'm sure there's more lessons for me to tease out of that (laughs) but i'm just taking Uh, the one for now (laughs) That's good. Um, so for my meaning in the mundane, I was telling Aaron, we did a little practice a few days ago to make sure this was going to mm-hmm. work in the park. And I was like, explain to me what you mean, because I'm having a difficulty grasping this. Um, and so I woke up this morning and I was like, I got to figure this out, right? Like woke up at 430, had a cup of coffee, getting on the bike. And uh, it hit me when I was going up Sidewinder in the Boise foothills. And I was like, uh-huh. I, I don't think this is cheating, but it's maybe it's even a little depressing. Um, but I think my every day is a meaning in the mundane when I go to work. I mean, if you ask what I do, it's uh, I do this. I Zoom all the time and I type on the computer and I talk on the phone and I shuffle papers. And that's pretty boring. Like, but... What I've learned is, which we've talked about here, uh, it's about the journey. And so for me, every day is an exciting journey. I'm going to get to talk to my friend Aaron, and we're going to think of some cool stuff. Um, today, I what's my journey look like? I have to prepare for a, uh, a webinar we're doing tomorrow with uh, Idaho Business Weekly, I think it is. Uh, I get to talk to friends in Texas and Colorado around Idaho and in each of those threads I find a new adventure I guess and so it's pretty boring like what I do day in day out it's mundane but I've learned the fun and the adventure right um so is that a meaning in the mundane I think totally is yes I I think you're kind of basically saying what we're hoping people start to do from us doing this is just finding how there's a lot of meaning 
in a lot of mundane things. You know, right. like mm -hmm. I think that's where most of the meaning is. Life isn't mostly like the fullness of life isn't in the big events, you know, the birthdays and the vacations. Totally. It's, it's for me, it's sit at the breakfast table every morning, having breakfast with my kids, you know, it's snuggling up with them at night and talking as they fall asleep. You know, it's, it's how I interact with my wife through the day as we pass each other in the living room and I come out of my office to make lunch, you know, I mean, it's just, that's where I think real value and richness in life lies is these seemingly mundane things that we spend 99% of our time doing, you know, and yeah. so I think that's perfect. Yeah. Sure. So the Thanks. sun's coming out, Aaron. I yeah. See. Look that's at this. Good. I feel like all ethereal now, like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> the singing. The singing has started, so the podcast oh, needs to yeah. stop. <laughs> Except for Michael. Michael can sing. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so, so thank you so much, Lance, yes. for joining us. Um, thank you very this much. This was a great conversation, and I hope that our listeners maybe see their their green spaces and their connection to their community a little bit differently. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your personal journey as well. Um, because again, when we share these more humanized stories, um, I think it resonates with people and that's what we're after is those connections. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, thank very you much. so much. It's good to meet you, you and, uh, and get to know you better. Um, cause I know we see each other a little bit on social media and just hearing about you from Aaron, but actually could have a conversation with you. It's fascinating what you do. And, um, and it's, it's already got me thinking differently, you know, like I said about, about things and, we really appreciate your time and coming on and asking awesome. all of our very hard questions about mermaids yeah. and centaurs. <laughs> I'm going to drown later. Right. <laughs> well, thank, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you both very much. Um, I, I love what you're doing with Middleish. I'm excited to help get the word out about it. Um, thank you. It's, uh, it makes people look at things in a different way. So I'm honored to be a part of it, be your first outdoor venue. Um, That's right. and, uh, yeah, Michael, uh, I'm excited to meet you in person sometime and for Absolutely. the journey ahead for the both of you, you're, you're impacting people's lives in a great way. So thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you listeners mm -hmm. and viewers, please, uh, subscribe, share with a friend, uh, give us a rating wherever you mm -hmm. listen or watch and we will catch you next week. Yep. Have a good week. Take care everybody. Thank you. Bye.